0: Praise the Lord. Just want to pray for the word this evening. Lord Jesus, Lord, I just ask this evening, O oh God, we've worshipped you, Lord, we've felt your presence, O oh God. And now, Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people, O oh God. That you would encourage them, O oh Lord Jesus, with the word that you have laid on my heart, O oh God. I pray, O oh Lord Jesus, for your anointing. May your word find good ground in our hearts, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My text tonight is from Revelation 3 and verse 12. If you'd like to turn there. Revelation 3 and verse 12. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go no no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. I had several titles for this message, but the easiest one is He That Overcomes. Pillars and monuments are reminders of significant advent, events and time periods in, in our world's history. When we think of pillars, the ancient temple ruins of ancient Greece and Rome spring to mind. Pillars or columns were very important to the structural engineering of a building because, by, um, because they were used sorry, by most ancient civilizations, including Egypt and Persia, and they function to hold up the roof in the inside of a building. The Greeks and Romans took it to a different level, a new level, and also used them to decorate the outside of their buildings and temples. And this is the, one, of the most, um, one of the ones that springs to mind with the, with the decorating of the ruins, the, sorry, the pillars on the outside, is the Parthion, Parthenon in Greece. A pillar is a permanent fixture. Once erected, it is not moved. It's designed to stand the test of time. We can travel to places like Greece and Rome and Turkey and see pillars that were built thousands of years ago still standing strong. Their longevity is the reason these ancient pillars have become monuments of a historic time. They are considered examples of important cultural and architectural heritages, Monuments are also erected to commemorate a person or an important event. Yesterday, many people travelled to monuments to commemorate all those that had fought and given their lives for the freedom that we enjoy in this country today. When we travelled to the United States in 2011, we went to Washington DC, a city full of monuments, created to commemorate men whose lives influenced a nation, and had impact in their society in their day. When we read about pillars in the Bible, they're mostly referred to a type of monument. However, there are times that the word pillar refers to columns in a building or structure. For example, when Samson asked to be led to the main pillars inside the temple where the Philistines were partying. The first pillar mentioned in the Bible acts as a monument, a significant monument a reminder of a significant event, not only for those at the time, but also for us today. In disobedience to the command of the angel of the Lord, Lot's wife turned around for one last look as they were escaping Sodom and was turned into a pillar of salt. A monument, or as Albert Barnes says in his commentary, and I quote, a memorable example of the indignation And wrath that overtakes the halting and the backsliding. But the Bible has other pillars that we can read about. Monuments that commemorate experiences and interactions man had with God. Monuments that remind us of the salvation of God, His provision, protection, long-suffering, and His love towards us. A pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, the Lord appeared unto the children of Israel for the duration of their wanderings in the wilderness. A monument large enough for all to see from the wandering mass of people from the front to the back. And it was a constant reminder to them that God was with them. And in the same way, those that overcome have a promise, have a promise made to them that they would be a pillar in the temple of my God. He will make them a monument, a symbol of strength, That commemorates a life of faithfulness, commitment and trust in God. A testimony that will stand the test of time. This pillar shall go out no more, but will be a permanent fixture forever. Decorated with the plaque that has the name of our God. And the name of the city of our God, which is the new Jerusalem. Which cometh down from heaven from God. And his name shall be written upon him. This is the promise for he that overcomes. When we think of overcomers, we think of those that have defeated opponents. We think of those that have succeeded in dealing with a problem. And perhaps we may think of times that we have been overwhelmed or overcome with emotion. If bad news has ever shaken you, you have been overcome with emotion. If something you have witnessed or heard was so beautiful that it brought tears to your eyes, you have been overcome with emotion. When something or someone is overcome, they have been conquered. Whether it is a battle with an opponent, the winner, the overcomer, is the conqueror. If you've ever succeeded in dealing with a problem, you have conquered that problem. And when one is overcome with emotion, the emotion is the conqueror as the person has failed to keep it together. To, to be overcome or to overcome suggests a battle of some kind. It suggests a struggle, there's a war, a battle, a wrestling with an opponent, a circumstance or problem or even an emotion that may get the better of us at times. Our opponents are not people, although it may seem so at times. Our wrestle, our fight, is not the kind of war that we fight with bombs and guns. It's not the type that fight. Type of, sorry, it's not the type of fight that requires us to fight physically, although it may be physically taxing at times. Our opponents are unseen. The scripture reads, Ephesians 6 and 12 For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We don't fight the devil directly every day but we definitely fight against his influence, which surrounds us and appeals to our carnal man. It is the carnal man that is our greatest opponent with its desires and with its pride. The devil takes advantage of our greatest opponent, knowing our weaknesses and our desires. He knows when you're feeling vulnerable and he can orchestrate situations that normally wouldn't bother us, but because we're sensitive at that particular time, we can get offended, or lose our cool. The carnal man with its lust is in cahoots with the prince of this world. Therefore, our greatest battle is within ourselves. The Apostle Paul penned the words, I die daily. Romans 8 and 7 tells us that the carnal mind, or the carnal way of thinking, our natural thought process, is enmity against God. When we're born again, our spiritual man comes alive and we become a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we repent of our sins, we not only confess that we're sinners, but we turn around from that old life. We make a decision to put the old man, our old ways of living, and our old ways of thinking to death. We no longer want to be influenced by the spirit that is in this world. We want God to be our influence. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, we bury that old man, that old life. And when we receive the Holy Ghost, we receive the ability to walk in the newness of life. Unfortunately, our old man pops his head up every once in a while and tries to get back the the ground that he's lost. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the battle each one of us as the children of God must conquer. We cannot tolerate the whims of our flesh, although at times we do and to our own detriment. When we allow old habits or old thought patterns back in, we give ground to the old man, giving him life. And when we wonder why we find it hard to pray or even feel the presence of God, or why we don't have the joy and excitement we once had when coming to the house of God. James 4 and 4 puts it quite plainly that to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. It is impossible to be influenced by God and the world. It's one or the other. The scripture is full of reports of those that overcame opponents. Some were physical, like Israel fighting the Ites in whatever form they came in at whatever particular time. But more often than not, there are accounts of those that overcame helplessness, struggles and circumstances that were beyond their control. Their trust and desire for God ensured them their victory. They have become pillars for us, monuments that commemorate their desire and their faith in God. Pillars that stand tall and remind us of miracles they received and the miraculous that is available for us today if we put our trust and faith in God. I think of ones like Zacchaeus. He was not, like, he was not liked by anyone at all. He was a tax collector and he cheated the people. And the people knew that. Not a good way to make or keep friends. He had wealth and position through his line of work, but he lacked. Perhaps by becoming a tax collector, he thought it would give him power and presence he always desired, but he felt he couldn't attain because, he w- because of his stature. You see, Zacchaeus was a short man. But the power and the money didn't bring him happiness. Zacchaeus' life was full of stuff, but it was void of friendship and love. When the day came that he heard that Jesus was going to pass through his town, Zacchaeus was excited. He wanted to get a good look at the miracle worker and perhaps see a miracle performed. But there was a crowd problem and a height problem. Some of us at this point would have said, oh, well, become despondent and just gone home. But Zacchaeus had a plan and it involved a huge tree which not only gave him the best view of the street, but also would keep him well hidden from all the people that hated him. Zacchaeus' desire to see Jesus helped him overcome his problem, his obstacle. I think sometimes we allow our problems and our obstacles to dictate to us, and we allow them to conquer us when that's not the plan that God has for us. Jesus knew Zacchaeus was waiting to see him that day and rewarded Zacchaeus for his efforts. For the first time in a long time, Zacchaeus felt wanted. Jesus wanted to come to his house and spend time with him. It certainly played out better than Zacchaeus could have planned. And then there's the woman with the issue of blood. Another example of someone that overcame personal circumstances and situations that was beyond her control. In her state of sickness and weakness and social status of uncleanness, her desire for healing overcome all that she felt. She had had enough, running from doctor to doctor, trying this cure and that. She had spent everything she had and nothing had worked. Jesus was the only thing left to try. She had heard what he had done for others. Perhaps he could heal her too if only she could just touch the hem of his garment. She would be made whole. Her desperation for for a healing touch overcame her problem. And with every ounce of strength she had, she followed and somehow managed to brush the hem of his garment with her fingertips and whoosh, he felt virtue flow out of him, and she felt it flow into her. Blind Bartimaeus sat on the highway begging as he did every day. It was quite possible that he had overheard conversations as people entered Jericho of a man named Jesus, who had unstopped deaf ears and opened blind eyes. Perhaps someone had even told him about Jesus as they stopped to drop. Dropped some coins into his beggar's bowl. Whatever the case, Bartimaeus certainly knew who Jesus was, because as soon as he heard that Jesus was passing by, he began to cry out, "Thou Son of David, have mercy on me!" And the people around him shushed him, "Shh, Jesus doesn't need to be bothered by you." The voices around him told the voices around him told him to sit down and be quiet. To someone who may have been resolved to blindness for the rest of their life, they may have listened to the discouragement around him, around them and sat down. But not Bartimaeus. It made him cry louder. He drowned out the negative voices of his opponents with the cry for mercy. He conquered the voices of discouragement with what he already knew about Jesus. He did it for other blind men. He can do it for me. He overcame his social status when he threw off his beggar's cloak and as they led led him to Jesus, he knew that if he could get the attention of Jesus, he would no longer need the things that pertained to a beggar. There are many other accounts in the Bible of those that have overcome opponents that manifest themselves as situations and circumstances, as problems and obstacles. They are established forever as pillars that stand the test of time, recorded in our Bibles to commemorate the works of Jesus and the miracles he performed in the lives that he touched. But for us to overcome, sorry, we must overcome in order to become pillars in the temple of our God. What do we have to overcome? We must overcome attitudes, feelings, thought processes, the carnal mind. The battlefield is our mind. We cannot allow the philosophies and lies and traditions of men and the rudiments of this world to rob us of the victory that is promised. The devil would have us believe that we are victims, but we are victors. We are not the the overcome but we are the overcomers. As the ancient pillars of Egypt, Greece and Rome have stood the test of time, not giving in to the elements, but standing strong against whatever nature has thrown at them. Much of the building they belong to has crumbled, but the pillars remain standing, and so we must remain standing. Standing in the strength that only God can give us, he has equipped us to be conquerors. He has equipped us to overcome. To become that pillar, one must know how to fight, how to stand against the wiles of the devil. Discouragement being his greatest weapon against us. If we learn, if we do not learn how to combat discouragement when it comes our way, it will nestle ourselves in our, sorry nestle itself in our mind. And eat away at all the good things God has done in our life. And as ruins crumble, so will our walk with God. When you feel discouraged, do as David did. Encourage yourself in the Lord. The word of God is full of scripture that can lift you out of discouragement and encourage and strengthen you. And the Psalms is a great place to find encouragement because David knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. And we can always find that it always begins with praise and worship. When we begin to worship God, we take the focus off ourselves. We take the focus off our problem. We take the focus off our discouragement. And before you know it, our focus becomes God, and before you know it, we have overcome discouragement. We must not allow perceived offenses to cause us to become bitter. We must not allow complacency and apathy to become a part of us. We must overcome these feelings and attitude. Our, must, our focus must never be on ourselves. For if sorry, for if it is, we shall be overcome by our opponent. Our flesh wants us to put its desires before anything else. but we must decrease so he may increase. Our desire for God has to be fed. We must love his word and spend time in his presence. To be an overcomer, we must come through every trial trusting God will see us through. He did it once, he'll do it again. We must keep our eyes on the prize. I want to be a pillar in the temple of my God. I want to be established forever in heaven. We must recognise when we slip into carnal mind mode. It happens to all of us. All of a sudden, the things of God get hard. A carnal mind cannot understand or even take on the principles of God's word. The plain, the plain as day written word is hard enough to swallow when we're in carnal mind mode. We find ourselves bucking against the preached word, hardening ourselves towards the spoken word of God. We must not allow the old man to gain a foothold in our lives. We must not compromise the things of God by allowing the old way back in. Even if it's something that seems harmless, there's a reason we buried it in the first place. There are no memorials for those that compromise, for there is no victory in compromise. There will be no pillars for those that give in or give up. To compromise the word of God is to give in and let go of all that is true. A pillar stands as a reminder of what was and a memorial to future generations. It stands the test of time against everything nature can throw at it, against rain, storms, hail and heat. And so is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, "...that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit." Jeremiah seventeen seven and verse 8. This man stands regardless of what life throws at him. He stands as a tree with green foliage, regardless of the heat of his trial, regardless of the heat of his trouble." In fact, you can't tell he's feeling the heat. You can't even tell there's a drought around him. He is the same regardless of what is happening in his life. He does not cease from yielding fruit. His trust is in the Lord and the Lord is his hope. His life, his moisture, his refreshing comes from his water source and his roots go down deep. He is connected to his water source, to his life source. His life is an abundant life, an abundance of fruit, an abundance of green leaves. He has the strength to withstand whatever comes his way, for he has a connection with the river of life. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, three Jewish boys taken from their homes and all that were new, all that they knew, given Babylonian names and thrown into a culture that was foreign to them in every way continued in their consecration unto God. They had a prayer life and they held on to the law of Moses as best they could in the environment they were in. And when they were confronted with the heat of a fiery furnace, their trust was in the Lord, their hope was in Him and not in the King who threatened to kill them. Their response was, King, if we perish, we perish, but we will not bow down. They would not give an inch, they would not give in just a little bit. But they were not burnt either. The heat in the furnace did not affect them at all. In fact, they didn't even come out smelling of smoke. Their lives were connected to a water source that would not allow them to burn. They did not feel the heat. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Trees planted by the rivers of water. Connected to their life source. Daniel refused to obey the decree of the king and continued to pray to God three times a day, and he didn't hide it. He did not compromise on his commitment to God, and God did not com- compromise on his commitment to Daniel. Daniel was not devoured by the lions. We know the scripture tells us that the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Who will believe his lies? Who, will be, who would be discouraged? Who will he overcome? Not those connected to the water source. Not those that pray and seek God. Not those who humble themselves and give God the throne of their heart. We need to know the word of God so we can fight back and push away the lies that are fed to us daily. The devil would love nothing more than to trip us up Using our flesh and then bring us down and devour us. He is out to destroy us and will use whatever He can to do so. We must be vigilant. We must be on guard. As overcomers, we need to be aware and know that whatever we go through, God is with us and He will see us through. We are not abandoned. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to the called according to his purpose. We will not be devoured. We will not give ground. We will not be overcome, but we will be overcomers. We must refuse to allow trials and the heat of life to burn us. We must stay connected to the living water. It is the Holy Ghost that gives us the power to overcome. It is the Holy Ghost that brings forth his fruit in us. But we must be full, drinking from the rivers of living water and quenching not the spirit as it moves on us. The more of God we have, the less of ourselves we will want. The Holy Ghost will help us overcome the desires of our flesh. The Holy Ghost will help us keep that old man down. The Holy Ghost will help us overcome that we may be pillars in the temple of our God. Tonight, I just wanted to give you a word of encouragement. There are promises in the book of Revelation to all those that overcome. And they're all about heaven and they're all about living forever and being in his presence and standing in his presence forever. But there are some things we need to overcome. There are some things that we allow in our lives, not realising that they are there. We don't have to deal with persecution yet. We don't have to deal with things that look like trouble. We have to deal with what comes against us, our family, our unsaved loved ones, those that give us trouble. And we have to act like Christians right through it all. And we have to overcome the old man because the old man wants to say something sharp. The old man wants to come back with a sarcastic comment. The old man wants to hurt back. So tonight I just want to give you the opportunity to come. If you've got it all under control and you're a victorious person, good on you. But I know that there are, uh, there are others in our midst that struggle with some things. And there are times where we're on the mountain and we feel like nothing, nothing can bring us down. And then there are other times where we're in the valley and we feel like, am I ever going to get out of this? And so tonight I want to give you the opportunity to ask the Lord for strength. If you don't have the Holy Ghost tonight or you want to be refilled with the Holy Ghost tonight, you can. Sister Arlene, if you'd come. It just doesn't seem that I can, that I can talk about being an overcomer and not give you the opportunity to come and ask the Lord to help you to be an overcomer I want to stand next to you in heaven you can be the pillar next to me I want for the world to see that I'm strong and that when they need something from God that they can come to me and that I can give them the answer that I can pray for them and that God will hear me.